Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the ACC Now podcast. I am C.L. Brown, the University of North Carolina beat writer for the Raleigh News and Observer. And we have a special guest today. It is Chapel Fowler the Clemson beat writer for the state newspaper in Columbia. Chapel, how are you doing today? Doing good, man. Ready for the championship. Yes, this is the ACC football championship edition of the ACC Now podcast. And I think we will jump right into what has kind of been, from an outside perspective, the burning question surrounding Clemson football is, what's going on at quarterback? Uh, it, It seems like everybody... Always loves the backup in general, but specifically in this case, um, you have people, at least fans on the outside, uh, wanting wanting DJU to uh, take a seat. So what what is what's the latest on that, Chapel? Yeah, well, you're totally right there. There's nothing nothing more tantalizing than a backup quarterback, right? Um, <laughs> that's definitely been the case this year, and that's not the biggest question, just from the outside. Um, that's the biggest question, you know, on the insider, at least, you know, locally too. Uh, you know, Dabo Sweeney, you know, no matter what, has kind of been steadfast in supporting DJ Uyungale, you know, all of last year, all of this offseason, um, all of the ACC media days, everything really. Um, and early on, it looked like it was paying off, you know, in that initial season debut that was on primetime against Georgia Tech. Um, lots of eyes on Clemson. DJ was fine, not great. Uh, Kate Klubnick kind of turned some heads. He had a drive against the backups at the very end where he looked really good. But again, that was, that was with second teamers against second teamers. Um, so QB question kind of reared its head there, but then DJ to his credit really did a phenomenal job, um, over the next, you know, six, seven games, uh, the, the statistic I always cite when, when kind of talking about how this has gone all season is, um, you know, entering the Syracuse game. That was his worst game of the season. He had three turnovers in three quarters and he got benched. And Klubnik came in and led three scoring drives to pull out a comeback win. But heading into that, DJ was, I think, number seven in terms of Heisman betting odds behind, you know, your CJ Strouds and Caleb Williamses and Blake Corms. And uh, I don't think, Drake was on the list at that point, but he was probably up there. But so essentially, you know, I think he had something like two, three turnovers across seven games. Um, So he was playing really well. That Wake Forest game was especially phenomenal. Um, Probably the best game he's played at Clemson or one of. Um, But then since then, it's yes. Oh, man. He was that was I I think that was DJ at his best. He was, you know, anytime they needed to play, he was making one. So it's kind of been a bookend of the season it's interesting you know first game a little shaky and then you got seven games or so where he looked really really good um and then these last few it's just been the roller coaster you know the roller coaster that Clemson fans saw last season when he had nine touchdowns against 10 interceptions in I think 13 games um you know 
struggled against Syracuse, struggled against Notre Dame. Klubnik came in in both of those games, and then DJ was really good against – not really good, but, you know, solid, steady against Louisville, solid, steady against Miami. And then, obviously, everyone saw the South Carolina game. Um, so, as far as Dabo's gone for this week, uh, he said Sunday he reiterated it on his radio show last night. I'm sure he'll say it again in a few hours on his Tuesday presser and again on Friday. Uh, DJ is their starter. Um, but, you know, that he's, he's kind of leaving some wiggle room there. You know, um, he's going to start the game. But, but he hasn't really, you know, fully said, you know, this is our guy 100% the entire game. Um, they're, they're considering some Klubnik packages the OC said yesterday. Um, so I wouldn't be too surprised if he takes some snaps Saturday. But I, I guess it's kind of – it all depends on E-Day's performance um, for how many Klubnik gets. But, yeah, you may, you may see a little bit of shake-up at some point on Saturday, I'm guessing. Where would you say uh, DJ is confidence-wise? Because, I mean, you know, <laughs> we're talking about the 13th game of the season and and Dabo is leaving wiggle room for replacing a starter. Like, it, it's it's – it seems like it'd be a bit unnerving. Yeah, what a unique spot to be in, right? You know, you're ten and two, and you're, and you're playing for an ACC championship, and, and that's still something um, that that's kind of lingering. Um, I, I'd say, you know, DJ with the media, it, he's very uh, polite, and you know, answers everything, and always has a positive attitude. Um, and, and I think that's kind of just. The way he is, he he kind of wants to portray an aura of confidence no matter what. Um, I, I'm just thinking it's got to be hard, man. You know, it, it's crazy. He, I looked this up yesterday. He is uh, 21 and six as a starter um, at Clemson. You know, that's a really good record. But when you're at a program like Clemson, you know, 21 and six, uh, you know, feels like 11 and 11 sometimes. Um, so, I mean. I just know it's got to be tough. And, you know, to, to hear the calls for the backup quarterback all season long, you know, even when he's playing pretty well, you know, if you had one bad drive, you know, at a home game, you can always kind of hear some murmurs in the crowd every single time. Um, so I, I, I don't know. He, he doesn't really, you know, let us into that side of stuff, which I totally understand and respect. Um, he's always very confident. He has always been a club guy from day one, you know, he spoke to the media after he got benched against Syracuse and, and club that came in um, oh, wow. that. Yeah. That's a pretty unique scenario, right? Like not, not most college quarterbacks would do that. Um, so, you know, he, he's universally beloved by players and staff um, and, and really portrays himself as always just being confident going with the flow. Um, but, but I'd, I'd have to thank these last few games, especially that have really, you know, given him at least some type of confidence hit compared to those, you know, that seven game stretch that I mentioned where he was really playing, you know, lights out and almost to that full potential. To- I, I would, would think that um, <laughs> it's important to be university loved in a situation like this, because that, that would make you a lot easier to yank <laughs> or, or be pulled and have a faction of the locker room rooting against you otherwise. Um well, uh, uh, one other thing I wanted to ask before we before we kind of switch gears here is uh, the the impact of I mean both of these teams are coming in having lost their last game and in Carolina's case they've lost the last two but uh, what kind of a mood was it you know uh, after Saturday's loss to to South Carolina in in terms of being able to flip the switch get over that 
lost to your rival and, you know, get down to the business of we have a ACC championship on the line. Clemson every week that does a good job of focusing uh, on the game ahead and, you know, coaching up players and coaches to essentially say as much to the media. Um, and, you know, Dabo Sweeney has been saying this all season, this list of goals for Clemson, they have, you know, when they're opener, when they're division, when they're closer, when they're state championship, that's the South Carolina game. Um, and, when their conference. So, you know, he, he's been emphasizing this week that, you know, obviously they won their opener and they won their division. Uh, they definitely did in their state championship as everybody saw last Saturday at noon, uh, but they can still win their conference. They can still win their closer, whatever bowl game that is. Um, so it's kind of been a message of relentless positivity, which is pretty on brand for him. Um, the idea that the sky isn't falling and Clemson still has a lot to play for, which is true. Uh, but at the same time, you know, they're going to miss the college football playoff for a second straight season. And, you know, I think fans have, have come to expect a lot more than that deservedly. So, and, and that's kind of the expectations that come with being a year in year out elite program. Uh, it's so it's like, Oh my, the sky is falling. <laughs> yeah. The sky's falling at 10 and two. Right. Uh, yeah. But it kind of makes sense for people to think that given what Clemson has been in years past. And this is a, you know, a stark comparison to that. Uh, so I'd say internally, uh, the focus is on UNC, but, but I think big picture wise, uh, any kind of questions about, you know, the state of the program are very fair right now. Um, because I mean, you want to talk about it from a transfer perspective, you know, that couldn't have been more clear on Saturday, right. You know, here's, uh, the quarterback that one coach has been so loyal to, you know, despite his flaws, uh, going eight for 29 uh, against South Carolina. And then on the other side, you know, here's a coach who's embraced a portal quarterback who maybe, you know, had some uh, bad stuff said about him at Oklahoma. Obviously that did not end well for Spencer Rattler. Uh, but here he is these last two weeks, you know, just playing absolutely unconsciously against Tennessee and then against Clemson for first time in program history. South Carolina has won back-to-back games against AP top 10 opponents. Um so, I mean, you know, that's one of one of many things you could point to. Transfer stuff. Uh, obviously, Dabo took a big gamble in promoting from within uh, to replace Tony Elliott and Brent Venables uh, when they left for those coaching jobs last year. Um, Brandon Streeter at offensive coordinator, West Goodwin at defensive coordinator. Those were both, you know, in-house guys um, th- that he promoted into those very high-stakes positions. Um, so, so there's definitely some fan frustration around that, too. Um, They've kind of struggled at wide receiver. Uh, everything's really coming out on uh, these last few weeks. And, you know, that's what a loss does to you at Clemson, right? You know, you can glaze over those issues when you're winning and winning and winning. Um, but th- those losses really offer reality check. Uh, and they're so infrequent that when they do come, you know, it's even more intense. Yeah, it's, it's crazy kind of the culture that we've created, you know, towards towards this where – I mean, by all accounts in most programs, this is a great season, but <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a little of the shine is taking off at Clemson because they won't be in that college football playoff uh, uh, conversation. Well, uh, we're going to take a break at ACC now for our partners. And on the other side, we're going to switch gears and talk a little bit about North Carolina coming into Saturday's game. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back uh, talking ACC football championship. I am C.L. Brown with the Raleigh News and Observer, and this is Chapel Fowler. I am speaking with the Clemson beat writer for the state newspaper. Uh, so what is uh, what do you feel like the, the perception of Carolina's season has been, you know, from from a Clemson perspective, uh, just in terms of how they got to this game on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, at least for me, uh, it was looking down in the standings every week and seeing UNC just kept winning, right? Uh, one possession game after one possession game, uh, and it was really such a sharp contrast after that App State game that everybody saw on national TV and, and how susceptible their defense looked and kind of that turnaround combined with Drake May really just ascending, you know, to such an elite level. Um, so definitely a surprise. I mean, I don't know where... UNC ranked in preseason poll in terms of even uh, their own division, let alone, you know, conference championship votes, you know, to win that. Uh, but I, I assume it can't be that high. Um, yeah, I think they were third, if I'm not mistaken, behind Miami was picked to win it and Pitt, I feel like, was second. I think <laughs> they were third. Um, but it, I mean, I, I think to me, the biggest surprise just had to do, deal with how good Drake may got and how fast he got there. Um, because, you know, I mean, all of the spring and in, in, in fall camp, basically leading up to the week before the opener against Florida A&M, it was, this is a quarterback battle. I don't know who's going to win. You know, we got Jacoby Criswell is playing well and Drake is playing well and they're pushing each other and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so <laughs> it really makes it seem like, if it was really that close of a battle, then Jacoby Criswell is a hell of a quarterback, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, he should be starting somewhere. Is is if he pushed him that way, and and it it really felt like in the spring when we saw them play, like there wasn't that big of a difference. Like it didn't seem like there was any separation because. I can't remember any play that Drake made in the spring game to where I was like, he's definitely the starter. That's the guy, you know, now I felt like he had a slight advantage, but it, it you know, the, the contrast wasn't that big. It wasn't like you, you had this bona fide starter and, and Jacoby is definitely just a backup talent. It, it didn't feel like that. And then you had players like, like a Josh Downs come in and talk about, how strong Jacoby's arm is and, you know, essentially said it was even stronger than Sam Howell's was. And so it was like, well, really, <laughs> you know, so um, for Drake to come in and, and do what he did, I think kind of, kind of caught everybody by surprise. Um, but he's had, he's had a, certainly had a couple of stumbles here in these last two games. Um, is, is that something that, that you've heard, you know, Clemson defensively talk about possibly take, taking advantage of. They are very careful to not uh, 
integrate other players like that, but I'm sure that's something they're looking at. Um, you know, cause he was, he was on fire. He was unstoppable really for those first, there's really 10 games on and off. Um, and yeah, I was wondering from, from your perspective, these last two games, has that been exclusively a Drake issue? Has that been an offense wide issue? Cause I know they've kind of fallen off uh, their usual level in those losses to tech and state. Yeah, I, I think it's, it, it's definitely spread around to, to different aspects of the offense. Uh, I would say Drake, Drake might be on the hook sometimes for um, his decision-making which, which has been a, a positive all year. And it's not like he's making bad decisions now, but uh, the offensive coordinator, Phil Longo kind of hinted um, uh, Monday when he spoke to the media about uh, just the need to be a little bit more patient. Um, for instance, NC State on Saturday, they they dropped eight in coverage a lot. And so they took away essentially the deep threat that Carolina had. It's basically been a trademark of this offense, um, not, not only this year, but just in general under Longo. They want to throw that deep ball. And a lot of times they're able to connect. And so when State took that away, it was basically challenging Drake to be more patient and just check down and, and you know, be satisfied with with kind of the short gains and working, you know, working the soft spots underneath. And so um, uh, I, I think he's kind of I don't think he's had the mentality of just let me take what they give me right now. I think because he's been so used to we're going to get what we want, <laughs> you know, and, and we're going to pop this explosive play every now and again in the passing game. So I, I definitely think that'll be something to look out for in Charlotte just to see how patient he is with the game. But it, it what has been a problem all season has been consistency in the running game. You know, they just, they just don't have that. I don't think uh, <laughs> imagine how effective this offense would be if the running game made their play action passes really a threat, you know, to, to defenses. And it hasn't been the case. They, they definitely have the potential for explosive plays in the running game, but in terms of a consistent, you know, four yard kind of five yard chunks on first down to, to come into second and shorts, they haven't got that. A lot of times they're working out a second and 10 and, you know, second and nine situations because, the run game just hasn't contributed, you know, as much as it as much as they'd like. So um, I think a lot of little things like that have have added up. Um, and I definitely think the challenge on Saturday is going to be how well this offensive line can handle Clemson's front four, because uh, that's that's the other thing. They I mean, you could probably say Notre Dame has had had a, a comparable defensive front seven where they don't necessarily have to blitz to really be able to put pressure on Drake May. And so uh, definitely the more the more players that can drop in coverage for defense, the better off they are in trying to defend this offense. So that that's going to be a big challenge, I feel like, um, seeing who wins that battle in the trenches with Carolina's offensive line and Clemson's defensive front. Yeah, on the UNC running backs, I was about to say it feels like Anytime I catch one of their games, it's a different guy leading them in carries or rushing yards every single game. I know they've got a 
just a stable of dudes back there. Um, but they, they don't really have that number one guy that's emerged. But yeah, Clemson's defensive line, uh, really highly touted entering the season. Uh, some injuries have limited them from playing all together at once. But at the same time, they, they honestly just have not been as dominant as as they were, you know, built up to be. Um you know, Brian Brzee has dealt with a lot this year. Um, you know, the passing of his sister from cancer, um, a, a kind of scary kidney uh, thing, infection um, that, that they were able to get sorted out. He missed the game with strep throat. Uh, he's really been all over the place uh, in, in terms of getting on the field. Um, I know that's been really tough for him. And, you know, he, he was a projected top 15 draft pick entering this year and still has some NFL buzz, but it's really been a tough junior year for him. Uh, Miles Murphy, KJ Henry, Tyler Davis, Rick Warrow, Peyton Page, Justin Maskell. I mean, it's really <clears throat> it's a deep group. Uh, and I think they have something like 32 sacks this year. And they've really ramped that up, you know, in terms of quarterback pressures and getting sacks the last few weeks. Uh, so, you know, d- despite maybe not reaching that defensive level that Clemson talked about them reaching, you know, they were, you know, but for better or worse, comparing them to, you know, the 20, I think it would have been the 2018 defensive front, you know, that had Christian Wilkins, Dexter Lawrence, uh, a few other NFL guys uh, that that group has not uh, played up to that level, um, but it's definitely still been one of the best in the ACC. Um, and they have been pretty good against the run. You know, they got hammered against Notre Dame. Notre Dame had 260 or something rushing guards against Clemson. And that's really the main reason they won. They dominated the line of scrimmage. But besides that, Outside of a few chunk plays here or there, which they are susceptible to giving up, uh, that run defense has definitely been a strength for Clemson. And that's really good because that that allows them to, you know, get, get teams into deeper passing situations against a secondary that's been, you know, okay, but but certainly not um, one of the nation's elite when, when we're talking about Clemson's corner safeties. It's just pretty, you know, standard group. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. Again, we're talking about uh... – a Clemson standard that is based on national championships. Like, like this is a pretty formidable and intimidating front four. <laughs> and it's basically like, well, you know, they're not, they're not national championship level. Like they're not on that. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's crazy when you, when you think about it, like they, they probably are the best in the ACC as is even dealing with the things they've dealt with. And um, I think, (laughs) I think most coaches in the ACC would take them as as their front four, but uh, especially it's kind of funny, you know, I I feel like Miles Murphy kind of gets a lot of the pub sometimes, or at least coming into the season he did, but um, it seems like Tyler Davis is, is right up there too, in terms of, um, you know, how how he affects game plans and how offenses have to account for him uh, for the amount of pressure he can bring and, and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, he's you, been phenomenal. I think probably of, of everybody along that defensive line, he, he's definitely their top contender for, you know, all-conference, all-American honors. Uh, he, he's been He's been great. Yeah, you, you mentioned um, some injuries. Are, are there any other injuries? Uh, you know, that that might come into play um, or, or might keep somebody out of the lineup on Saturday? Yeah, uh, this is a pretty healthy Clemson team just, you know, in comparison to last week. Um, they, they've had a few season-ending injuries, most notably Xavier Thomas. You know, that was a former five-star recruit. 
He played a lot during their 18 national championship season. Really good defensive end, but he's, you know, had a few rough years, um, you know, had COVID for a while, uh, you know, put on a lot of weight, uh, had some mental health issues that he talked really openly about and has had some injuries. And, you know, he finally came out. This was his fifth year and he was in the best shape of his life. And then, you know, he broke a bone in his foot in preseason practice and missed. I want to say maybe Clemson's first six or seven games came back for two or three games was playing pretty well, was kind of ramping up to full speed and broke the same uh, foot uh, thing again. So he's out for the year and, and that's kind of been their most prominent scholarship guy. Um, Bo Collins is a receiver who I want to say caught touchdowns in maybe four of their first five games. Uh, he's a California guy, just like DJU and they had a really good chemistry, good connection. But shoulder stuff has really hampered him the last few weeks. He got hurt against Notre Dame, missed two games, came back against South Carolina, had a 59-yard catch, hurt the same shoulder two plays later. Uh, so those are kind of your two most notable scholarship guys that are out. You know, they have a few rotational guys, um, you know, at safety, you know, their co-starter, punt returner um, that are dealing with longer-term stuff and might not be able to play. But publicly, it's it's Xavier Thomas. Bill Collins, and then, oh, they're, they're starting left guard, got hurt against Miami, Marcus Tate, and he had started every game up until then. So they, they've been putting in a – Mitchell May is actually a Raleigh guy. Shout out Leesville Road. Uh, he's been their starting left guard the last two games. So, uh, But, you know, compared to last year when they were kind of just marred by injuries, game in, game out, uh, it, it's a pretty healthy group. Uh, what about on UNC's end? Uh, are they dealing with anything major? Yeah, and it's it's – Bad for the secondary. Um, you know, the, the three injuries that they said on on uh, during Monday's availability were uh, safety Cameron Kelly, who, who I think just kind of had a hamstring issue that actually <laughs> happened mid play against NC State and led to a touchdown. Uh, Tony Grimes uh, starting corner. And and Storm Duck, all three of those guys are being evaluated during the week. Um, you know, they didn't say they, they don't use terms like questionable or doubtful or, you know, so it's it's basically like we'll see you on Saturday morning before while they're warming up if they're going to go or not. Um, and it caused some young guys to have to step up and and uh, play in a game. Marcus Allen, uh, freshman corner, being one of them. Uh, and surprisingly, he he played well, you know, to be thrown in uh, on the spot. And he hadn't really been in a rotation a lot. They really stuck to their starters for the most part. Uh, Legend Cavizos is, is uh, you know, Ohio State transfer at corner has has come in um, in spots, you know. Uh, it, but he's been more of a regular. I, I shouldn't say it like it's just a snapshot of playing time. But you know, they've really just stuck to their starters for the most part. So we could see a, a healthy dose of Don Chapman back in at safety if Kelly isn't able to play. Um, we could also see some more of Will Hardy, who's kind of been um, he, he's kind of gotten a good amount of playing time as as a freshman uh, coming out in the lineup. But um Everybody at this point of the year, you know, has something and it's a little hobbled. Um, but it's going to be interesting to me to see if if Carolina's defense can maybe, you know, plant a seed of doubt early on in, in Clemson and, and their effectiveness. I think 
Carolina's defense has been, as as you mentioned earlier, everybody saw that Appalachian State game. And so that's kind of been an albatross, <laughs> even when they have made plays later in the year and gotten better in certain ways. It just seems like they're the team that gave up 40 in the fourth quarter, you know, yeah. <laughs> and 61 points in a game. And and uh, they they have shown signs of some improvements in areas and things like that. But then the flip side is you look in the last two weeks in these losses, um, they've played against guys who are backup quarterbacks. You know, uh, when they played at Virginia, Virginia was down there. Top three receivers didn't play in that game. And, you know, they still put up 20, 28 points. And, you know, Virginia's offense looked better than it had basically all year. So there, there are things like that that, you know, for all the progress that it seems like Carolina's made defensively, it also seems like you think they would be a little bit better in certain situations, you know. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting on Saturday just to see how they come out and if they're able to get some stops early and get some confidence or maybe plant some seeds of doubt. Yeah, the the, the final conference championship played between Atlantic and Coastal Division champions, which <laughs> honestly I forgot about until someone <laughs> mentioned it about a week ago, which I think maybe goes to show why it's a good idea to move away from that structure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, and what's funny, though, for all of the, the consternation about, uh, well, I should shouldn't say all of it, but, you know, that early on in the season, I felt like there there was a little bit of how bad the Coastal is and you know, the Atlantic has all the best teams in the ACC. And, you know, basically like they're there that it's about time they change from the divisions because the coastal people, the coastal teams aren't deserving of being in a championship situation. But as it all played out, Carolina's six and two record in league play would have got them the second seed, <laughs> if you will, if they didn't have divisions anyway. So we'd have the same matchup. But, um, well, let's get to a prediction before we get out of here on this podcast. Chapel, how do you see this game shaping up on Saturday? Mm. I've been musing on if this is going to be, you know, another 45-37 game like in 15 with an onside kick that still hurts the souls of one of the fan bases. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, Clemson's last two games, they've had 30 and 40. Oh, man. Uh, you know, I, I don't think I know anything I, I <laughs> predictions, but let's go. I'm going to say 3128 UNC. Let's switch it up. Let, let's, oh, wow. let's, give, let's give the Tar Heels, uh, the win here. Cause, cause you know, the, the last game, uh, was a 14 point home favorite against South Carolina. We saw how that played out, uh, I don't know with them at this point of the season. Um, they might make me eat my words and win by 20, but I'll take UNC in a high-scoring shootout. Uh, that'll probably end at midnight, which means neither of us will go to bed till 4 a.m. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, wow, I was going the other way. I was thinking Clemson uh, probably 30 to 24. Let's make it a full touchdown. It's Clemson 30 to 23. 
<laughs> I don't know why I picked 23 because Carolina like never wants to kick field goals anyway. <laughs> well, after but, last week, I understand why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess it's been justified. Well, um, that's enough of the talk. Next time we see each other, it'll be about that action. <laughs> it'll be about that action. Well, I appreciate you joining us on the ACC Now Podcast Chapel, and um, I'll be seeing you Saturday in Charlotte. Folks listening, I thank you for tuning into the ACC Now podcast and check back with us next week as we recap the game and move into some basketball action.